podcast for the 13th of February 2023 the day before Valentine's Day men never nobody ever goes ladies you better not screw this one up it's always men sexism that being said men you better not screw this one up or you're not going to uh, well just think about part of what I just said and you can figure it out Anyway, welcome to the program. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, spreading the word about the program. It only grows because of you. So, Dankeschön, sehr nett gemacht. All right, uh, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. The Weekend F and Review is up there and uh, all that good stuff, extra things, and you can enter the contest for this week. Who is in the contest this week? You're just going to have to wait to find out because that's what happens at the end of the show. You also will find out who won this week's contest. So, meh, there. Anyway, let us get on with the program. By the way, I'm doing this before the Super Bowl, so I may enjoy the Super Bowl, so there won't be any Super Bowl talk, except to say that my wife told me that there's a story that, oh, Columbus, Super Bowl might replace Columbus Day uh, on the holiday calendar. I solved this problem years ago. Make the Super Bowl on a Saturday. People get to have fun. Nobody likes to, I don't know, even if I have Monday off, I don't really like to party on a Saturday, on a Sunday. Spare me. Don't give a private, non-profit, for-profit scam company run by a bunch of leftists mostly a free day off of work. Make them drop their you-know-whats out of their stomach and move the game to Saturday. Anyway, now on with the show. I want to talk about um, the President of the United States. The President of the United States is... A doddering old fool. We know that. I mean, this isn't breaking news. But he is seeming... Well, I guess there's two options. He's either blissfully unaware of what's going on in his own administration and what's going on on this planet, to be perfectly honest with you. Or he is kept out of the loop. I'm trying to think of a polite way to put it. He's either blissfully unaware and wildly stupid or he's kept out of the loop. Whichever the case is, it's not... Or he's... I mean, I guess you could say he's just a liar. But most politicians... Yes, all politicians lie. But most of them don't do so in such a blatant way. They don't stand in front of a burning building saying, this building is a fine piece of real estate. They don't blow smoke directly up your rear end. They they do it through a series of tubes. So they're not right there. It's a really bizarre sort of situation compared to what we have here with uh, Joe Biden, who you almost believe he believes what he's saying because he was briefed on what he's saying. And you can't Look, the guy's senile, the guy's stupid. And so you uh, he's not going to be up to date on the latest, greatest anything. That being said, he should recognize certain things. The China spy balloon is one such example. 
it was pretty elaborate. It wasn't a weather balloon. It was a pretty elaborate platform or thing, whatever the hell is up there. You could see just looking at the pictures, which, by the way, were it not for the pictures, the Biden administration would have never in a million years even admitted that it exists. But they, uh, you could see from the pictures that there was solar panels there. Now, solar panels are used to charge batteries. They're not the most efficient way to run your house by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're running computer, you can run small things from them. That many solar panels collecting that much sunlight means that they're running quite a bit of things, quite a lot. What was it? Cameras. It was, I assume, things to intercept radio transmissions and what have you. It is highly unlikely that that much solar technology would exist to simply gather information to store it on some sort of flash drive on the device itself. That much electricity generating would also help transmit, would be enough to transmit that information. Now, why wouldn't you why would you say, well, you wouldn't uh, just collect it on a flash drive? Well, balloons pop. Balloons get holes. Balloons are very good for a casual sort of not noticing things and you put it up high enough and it's white enough and people don't notice. It just just so happened that in the Montana sky, people noticed this. Otherwise, the Biden administration would not, certainly wouldn't uh, have acknowledged its existence. They might not even have noticed it. I don't know for sure that that's the case, but according to the intelligence community, it's weird we're getting so many different stories. We're told, hey, uh, this happened a lot during the Trump administration. And then we're told, during the Trump administration, nobody noticed it. Well, then how the hell do you know it happened during the Trump administration would be my question, but whatever. I assume China spies all the time. And if it happened without being noticed, that's wildly problematic. That's wildly problematic that the most elaborate, or at least seemingly the most elaborate, um, organization on the planet Earth to monitor everything in the air, NORAD, would not have noticed something as like uh, three semi-tractor trailers attached to the bottom of a giant balloon flying over the United States willy-nilly. Seems weird to me. That being said, when Joe Biden was asked about this by Telemundo the other day, his answer left a lot to be I'm trying what left a lot to be desired. Which makes you wonder, is he not being told, or does he not understand, or is he just lying? I suppose those are the three buckets that could be. But listen to him try to explain why the Chinese spy balloon is no big deal. And then he kind of just gets lost in the middle of it and gives up. Wasn't it a, a major bre security breach for the United States, just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace no. and flew over the country for so many days? No, look, <laughs> the total amount of uh, intelligence gathering that's going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is... Uh, Anyway, it's, it's not a major breach. <laughs> is, uh, uh, anyway, the amount of... Sp Look, everybody spies, so we can't really be upset when somebody spies on us, when our biggest real geopolitical foe spies on us. We shouldn't be upset about it. They can't 
Pish posh, don't whine about such things. You believe, and then he, he just kind of loses his train of thought. Uh, anyway, anyway, anywho, anyhow, anyway, uh, whatever. Really, dude, is that does that make you feel comfortable? Does that make you feel good as an American? You think, well, the president's on the ball. We've got this thing figured out, man. We are set and ready to go. <laughs> But I love it. Everybody spies. Everybody spies. And then it's almost like, and this is what it goes back to the uh, classified documents thing. He almost seems like he's about to confess something that he shouldn't. Look, we, the amount of intelligence gathering. Look, you, we have things in the sky floating over China right now, too. Something like that. And you're like, it almost seems like that because he kind of stops and he goes, anyway, would you put it past Joe Biden to have, you know, admitted to spying or blurting out something that would help our enemies, especially after the president of the United States has been known to store classified documents willy nilly, probably making paper airplanes for his grandkids out of classified documents. Hell no, I wouldn't be surprised by that. It's amazing to me that he doesn't blurt out more things. Uh, there's that going for him. But he does walk up to it. Either that or he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Which leads us to his claims in the same interview about illegal aliens. He, in this clip, it's a very short clip, but he makes the claim that border crossings because he has changed the rules for people from five countries, have dropped 90%. Now, make no mistake, what they really did was they just legalized it. They just legalized it. But it, it, every single month, they have new records of people, illegal aliens. And it, this is what drives me nuts. I was watching Tucker the other day, and even he's fallen prey to that migrants, migrants, migrants. They're not migrants. They are illegal aliens. Migrants migrate. They go where the jobs are. They go where the weather is uh, suitable for what they have or whatever, and then they move along with They leave. They come and go like the tides. These people have no intention of ever leaving this country, and Democrats have no intention of ever letting them leave this country, certainly never going to deport them. So spare me this, they're migrants thing. I even, I even texted him. I made this case. And he goes, exactly, right back to me. Like, okay, it doesn't matter. You're still doing it. Your whole network is doing it. Stop playing the left's game with language, just as an aside. Anyway, here's the president of the United States. So keep in mind that there, there hasn't been a month in the Biden presidency where a new record hasn't been set for illegal aliens crossing the southern border. That, those are the ones we catch. Those are the ones we can prove. And here he is saying, well, it's declined. Not, not just, you know, a little bit. It's starting to decline. It's turned the corner. It's declined 90%, he says. So what's the, what's the policy that your administration is going to have in the, the border policy, after Title 42 is lifted? Well, the policy we're having is if, in fact... First of all, we, we engaged the parole policy mm -hmm. for those five, Nicaragua, uh, El Salvador, Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba. And uh, the, the uh, immigration, the, uh, the number of people coming has declined uh, over 90 percent because there's a, there's a regular path to do it. 
He has no idea. It's declined over 90%. It's declined over 90%. In what world has it declined over 90%? On what planet has it declined over 90%, Joe? Where the hell is this 90%? New records every millions upon millions of people that you've just let in. Forget about the people who got away, but the people that you've let in. Where did they go? What happened to them? It declined 90%. Is Joe Biden lying? Is he gaslighting the nation? Or is he really that misinformed? He can't be uninformed. He's got access to all the information. Somebody would have to be lying to him. He has to be misinformed. It's one of the two. He's either wildly misinformed or he's lying. There's no good answer. I don't know the answer. He's been a liar his entire career, but my God, to sit there and say, well, we've trapped Title 42. We're getting, uh, things have dropped 90%. Huh? No, not on this earth. Not on this planet. Anyway, so we've got a, a senile president who doesn't know whether or not he's telling the truth or what's going on in his, his world. And um, he took a trip to Florida. You can tell what Democrats are worried about. Florida is a red state right now. They're worried about Ron DeSantis. They're worried about the press that Ron DeSantis is getting, and more importantly, they're worried about the election results that Ron DeSantis is getting in Florida. So the and I know Trump fans out there going, "Is it about Trump?" This is about the White House. They can multitask. They are going after Ron DeSantis, who has not announced his. They're also going after Ron DeSantis, who hasn't announced anything, because they also know that it will provoke Donald Trump to react. He Donald Trump wants the attention. Donald Trump fans get mad when anybody talks about Ron DeSantis. So by Joe Biden going down to Florida to attack Ron DeSantis, that will trigger a lot of Trump fans. And possibly Trump himself, who's spending an awful lot of time trying to call Ron DeSantis a a child molester or a groomer or whatever the hell he's trying to to do with this. I don't I don't know. It's it's unseemly. It's it's sad, really. You've got two years, make a case for yourself. And he's not really, he's not focusing enough on that. But that's beside the point. It's Trump's campaign to run. And Trump has to be really mad about all the polls that show that he is, uh, he would lose to DeSantis. These polls are early and irrelevant. But when you live by the polls, you die by the polls. Every single poll that's released. But Biden I think wants to stir that pot, or at least Biden's handlers want to stir that pot. So they sent the president down to Florida yesterday, and he's whining about Ron DeSantis not expanding Medicaid. Medicaid is welfare. Let's just be honest about what Medicaid is. Medicaid is welfare. If you are poor, what have you, you uh, you get your health care from the government. It costs you nothing. It costs everybody else a ton of money. 
Medicaid has been expanded and expanding since Obamacare. That's weird because Obamacare was supposed to do what? Obamacare was going to get rid of the uninsured. Isn't that what we were told? Going to get rid of the uninsured. The uninsured mandated you buy health insurance. And it provided the government approved, not government provided, but government approved health insurance. It was supposed to be the end of the uninsured. That's how Joe Biden said it was a BFD to Barack Obama. And that overnight was supposed to be, oh, we've solved the problem of the uninsured. Yay, yay. Yet we haven't. It's weird that we have the same number of uninsured we had before. Obamacare. Isn't that weird? It ticked down slightly because it encouraged the expansion of Medicaid, Medicaid being the joint state-federal program to provide insurance to the poor. It provides insurance-ish to the poor. You can't, you have difficulty finding doctors to take it, just like if you're a new Medicare patient, you might, if your doctor before didn't already take Medicare, you'd, you'd have difficulty. There are some places where you can't find a doctor to take you if you're on Medicare or Medicaid. And it's horrible. It's a horrible situation. But, but the government will count you as you've got health insurance. Congratulations. You just can't see a doctor. Most people would look at that and go, that's terrible. That's <laughs> bad. But the Democrats don't care. They've got the numbers. They care about the numbers. Anyway, Joe Biden was whining that DeSantis down in Florida and in 11 states, they have refused the offer from the federal government to expand Medicaid. See, this is how they work. The Democrats want to get more and more people, as many people as possible, suckling the government teat. You get people addicted to welfare and boom, you've got them. You've got them for a very long time, if not life. Some people will break the cycle and escape and recognize what the government was trying to do to them in the name of progress, but most people will not. And expanding Medicaid is something they did it here in Maryland. They do it. Dumb governors do it, and Democrat governors do it. Now, I understand the Venn diagram is almost concentric circles there, but that's beside the point. It's very appealing because the local politicians can, say, promise a dollar's worth of benefits for 50 cents. And actually, part of Obamacare, that's up to like 70 cents. The government will, uh, federal government will pay 70% of the cost. And the state government only has to pay 30% of the cost. But the governor and the local politicians can go, I'm giving you a dollar's worth of benefits. I'm giving you $100 worth of benefits. And it only costs them 30 Now. This federal funding is supposed to be temporary. We'll see. Nothing is as permanent as a temporary government program. As Ronald Reagan famously said, as I butcher that, but get the point. So you have a situation where states are expanding Medicaid and have extended Medicaid. The problem is, like, once that extra government subsidy goes away or the economy turns sour, you're on the hook for this Medicaid spending. You can't say, well, geez, we raised Medicaid qualifications to 400% to federal poverty level. Uh, a family of five making $70,000 is getting government health insurance, paid for government health insurance. We can't afford that anymore, so we're going to have to repeal that. No politician 
ever will go, we're going to roll back this Medicaid expansion because we can't afford it. So what that ultimately leads to is what? We need to raise taxes. We need to do this. We need to do that. So don't expand in good times. Don't spend money that you're going to be obligated to spend in any time, ever, without the expectation or the understanding that times will turn. Economies are cyclical. And you won't always have the money. That's why I, like every time there's a surplus, they go, oh, it's a surplus. We're going crazy. Let's expand this and spend more on that. And they're like, the surplus is temporary. It's temporary. You're going to obligate yourself to spend in perpetuity because of a temporary good quarter or a good couple of years. You're, you're wildly stupid. But these are politicians. This is what happens when you are allowed to bribe people with other people's money. Anyway... Here is Joe Biden down in Florida whining that DeSantis did not expand Medicaid in Florida. Only in 11 states, including Florida, said, no, no, we don't want Medicaid. No, I'm serious. Over 1.1 million people in Florida would be eligible for Medicaid if Governor DeSantis just said, I agree to expand it. It's not, this, this this isn't calculus. (laughs) <laughs> calculus yeah no it, it, it's basic math and i just explained to you what the problem is the multiple problems are in the, did you know that 25 percent of the uninsured have an annual income of fifty thousand dollars or more that those people by and large there are some exceptions actively choose to be uninsured and you go well who would choose to be uninsured Most people wouldn't choose to be uninsured, but young people would. If you're young and healthy and you think you can take on the world and you go, you want how much from me every paycheck? You know what? Screw it. I don't want, I don't want it. I don't need it right now. They also have the knowledge that should the feces hit the fan and something really awful happen to them, that ultimately the federal government will step in with Medicaid, the federal and state government. But this is why it's also bad for people. When I was at the Heritage Foundation doing health policy, a colleague of mine who now, I think, runs the department I was in, Nina Ocherenko, she was reading through these studies. Look, on on the right, there's just not money to do these massive studies. There's a ton of money. The Kaiser Family Foundation has a, a billion-dollar endowment. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has like a billion-and-a-half-dollar endowment. They got more money than they know what to do with. They can uh, fund massive studies, get enormous amounts of data, and it, it co- it's not cheap to do. On the conservative side, there is no equivalent organization. There are some think tanks. When I was at Heritage, there was... Me, Bob Moffat, Nina Ocherenko, and Ed Hazelmeyer. We were the entirety of the health department, the Center for Health Policy Studies. That was it. And Ed at the time was a, a contractor. Robert Wood Johnson has hundreds of employees. And then they contract with everybody in academia. They can get whatever they want, whatever they need. The Kaiser Family Foundation, the same thing. The Kaiser Family Foundation would release these enormous studies. And their conclusions were always socialized medicine. Same with Robert Wood Johnson. Socialized medicine is the way to go. But they would, to their credit, release the entirety of their study. They'd have the executive summary, knowing full well that that's what politicians and media would read. It's a page, page and a half maybe, summarizing the findings that they want to highlight to advance a leftist agenda. 
And then they would release 150 pages of data and study and analysis that accompany that thing. Well, the study itself encapsulated everything about health policy, whereas the summary, which got all the press because it was easier to read than 150 pages of data, uh, focused on whatever it was that they wanted, you know, better outcomes, people are better, expand Medicaid, lower the age eligibility for Medicare, whatever it is that they want. But buried in that data one time, Nina found that outcomes for certain things, particularly breast cancer, were significantly worse for poor women on Medicaid. By significantly worse, I mean death. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. Significantly worse means death. The death rate was significantly higher statistically for people on Medicaid. Now, that might have come down a little bit, but I did some research. I did a little searching today to look this up. This is from the National Library of Medicine. It is a new-ish study from August 2022. The relationship between insurance status and outcome for breast cancer patients in Missouri. I know it's a riveting read. Calm down. You can find it online if you really want to. Just the gist of it. Conclusion, compared to private insurance, because I could read you the numbers. The numbers don't matter percentage-wise. It's bad, uh, bad audio. But as compared to private, uh, privately in, to the privately insured, women with public or no insurance had higher risk of advanced breast cancer and a greater than 60-day treatment delay. Now, how is that a delay? A greater than 60-day treatment delay. Because people with Medicaid, just like people with no health insurance, they have difficulty getting into a doctor. You call up and try and make an appointment for a doctor. They say, well, who's your health insurance? Medicaid. You should think, well, that's great. And in fact, if you look at when private health insurance pays a doctor for services versus when Medicaid pays a doctor for services, Medicaid pays a lot faster. Private insurance takes their time. They do research. They check codes. They drag their feet, quite frankly. And so you can be months into before you get paid. Whereas Medicaid just gets the billing and cuts a check. It's sort of automated. And you think, well, that's good. Doctors deserve to get paid. It also opens us up to massive amounts of fraud and so much fraud that it's nearly impossible to catch or it takes years and years to catch. That's beside the point. Medicaid pays significantly less than private health insurance. The government says, here's what we're going to pay. Doctors don't have to take private health insurance. Doctors, a lot of times, have to take Medicaid. So the government says, if you're going to take Medicaid at all, here's what we're going to pay. It's not how much does it cost you to do to provide this service. It's here's what we're going to pay. And if there is, say, a hip replacement, I don't know, make up the numbers, cost $10,000 to do. It actually costs $10,000 when you factor in the insurance and all the, the room and everything that it costs $10,000. And the government says, we're going to pay you $8,000 or $9,000 or we'll just pay you $10,000. There's no profit in that. 
But if you take Medicaid or Medicare, you've got to do it. So what happens? They charge private insurance more. They charge the uninsured even more. Government perpetuates the problem of people going broke from not having insurance whilst saying they're going to come in and solve that problem. But it also means that doctors, given their choice, will prioritize private insurance over government insurance. See how that works? See why that works? So that delay, 60 days, as you know, if you discover something like breast cancer, you need to and should be you know, as aggressive as humanly possible in the treatment of that. A 60-day delay is problematic. You usually see these sorts of delays in countries with socialized medicine, which is why the health minister of the province of Ontario, the guy who is in charge of administering and making sure that everything is fair and equitable in Canada, when he was diagnosed with, I forget what kind of cancer it was, he immediately came to the United States for treatment. He had money. He could pay for it. The peons in Canada, the people trapped in the socialized medicine world up there, didn't have that. He was embarrassed and he had to resign once it was discovered. But he lived, you know, he lived. So that's the ultimate victory. And and just like everywhere, government bureaucrats, if they're on the quote unquote right side of the issue, meaning the left side, they always have a soft landing out there for themselves. So when you hear the president of the United States whine that he won't expand Medicaid for the poor, we get more people insured. Well, people in Medicaid have a higher death rate than people not in Medicaid, people in private insurance. Does that matter to these people? No. Just like you can't, you got, you got your health insurance, you got your government provided health insurance. You can't just, just can't find a doctor to treat you. Congratulations, you're not going to get an appointment to see a doctor, not in a timely fashion. But don't worry, you're insured. They can put that on your tombstone. Billy Bob died, fully insured by the United States government. He just wasn't able to see a doctor. So maybe next time, Billy Bob. Maybe next time. This is a, a, another thing. I um, Back in the 90s, I went to Europe twice, continental Europe twice. And whilst there with my girlfriend at the time, both times I wanted to go to Amsterdam because I was really into the Van Gogh Museum. Not because, yeah, whatever, figure it out. I wanted to go to Amsterdam. And we, uh, I don't drink coffee, but I spent a lot of time in the coffee shops. But now they're changing it. I don't know who, like... Mm. This story from the UK Daily Mail. Amsterdam will soon ban cannabis from its famous red light district as part of new regulations by the city. The new laws, which were announced yesterday, will be in force from mid-May and aim to improve residents' quality of life as they have long complained of disruptions caused by tourists, the BBC reports. You live you live in a place where there's prostitution and drug use, and you go, well... I don't know what happened. What happened to my peaceful neighbor? You live in the red light district, for God's sakes. Sorry, but that's kind of part of the deal. Uh, The city council announced that under new laws, restaurants and bars will have to close by 2 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. The old city district will be shut down to new visitors after 11 a.m. And that sex workers will have to close their venues at 3 a.m. I don't know. 
the party could go on till 3 a.m. Hey, uh, we're going to, that'll really improve the quality of life. I'm not really sure I would agree with that. If you're complaining about the noise, keeping you up all night, being able to finally get to sleep ish at three when they close, by the way, there's loitering in the streets and it'll just be a disaster. So a big part of the, they're not getting rid of marijuana in general. You can still do it in the coffee shops, but if this doesn't, uh, change the problem and the noise complaints and the quality of life issues and they're going to ban smoking cannabis outside the outside in the outside seating areas of the coffee shops just keep it inside the real problem is drugs like you're doing drugs it's not even the weed nobody ever goes i'm so high i really want to start a fight no they go i'm so high i really want to eat a bag of doritos that's what I want, or a, a falafel or a doner kebab or something. But the real problem is, as you walk around the red light district, and it's not even the, I guess it's the people who come for the prostitutes, but like nobody's doing it in the street and being really loud about it. But the, uh, the people standing around, you do, as an American, you walk through the red light district and you get the sense that, my God, the police are going to bust in at any moment here and raid the whole place because there's just so much stuff that we we think of or thought of as illegal going. It's not just pot. But you walk down the street and there's every corner is like somebody offering you acid, somebody offering you mushrooms, somebody offering you cocaine, somebody offering you anything you want. It's not out in the open per se, like they've got a table of fake Rolexes and there's bags of drugs. But it's open enough. You'll, you'll never convince me the police don't know it's going on. A guy stands on the corner in a canal for hours on end, shaking everybody's hand and taking money from them. It's not because they went to high school together. Figure it out. But if you really want to affect quality of life, that'd be a, probably a good place to start, I'd think. It's not very... By the way, it's not very often that I find a... Um, what a, it's like a Dear Abby thing. It's not worth report, uh, reporting on, and it's you can't. It's slate, so it might be fake. But it's slate, so it actually might be real too. These leftists are insane. They have a uh, an advice column called Dear Prudence, like Dear Dear Abby, without having to pay the royalties for it. It is um, this question uh, today. Yesterday is too much to uh, only a liberal. First of all, if you're seeking advice from Slate. dot com, don't don't do it. Don't do it. There's something has gone horribly wrong in your life. But it's worthy of uh, it's worth a laugh. Dear Prudence, it says this is again this is the uh, advice column over at Slate. Dear Prudence, my husband has a gay friend from high school. As an adult, before we married, he traveled to see his friend and for a week hung out with him and other gay men. Once they went sailing, where all of them stripped naked and drank beers. I've seen the pictures. My husband is very particular about his appearance and grooming. He recently started to lisp. I suspect he's gay. When I told a straight man about this, his response was that no straight man would have done that sailed naked with gay men. Am I correct in that he is probably at least bisexual? Signed, am I naive? <laughs> Just, 
uh, here's a, a pro tip, I admit. If you're seeking advice from uh, some random internet website uh, advice columnist about, you already kind of know the answer. I don't know. I don't know her husband. It might just be that, you know, you'd do anything to get away with somebody who, get away from somebody for as long as you can who seeks advice from the slate advice columnist. The response is, Dear Naive, it would be really weird for me to take make a guess about the sexual orientation of a stranger, or really of anyone. But in the interest of providing a thorough answer to your question, I'll explain the points you've made, and I think everything you've written here can be explained away. Mm. Particularly about his appearance. So are a lot of, particular about his appearance. So are a lot of straight men. Man, I say that as a guy who probably hasn't combed his hair in about 10 years. All right. Strip, stripping while sailing and drinking beers with gay men. This, this strikes me as an activity that would be among the very last things someone who was gay and trying to hide it from his wife would do. Perhaps he's just secure in his orientation and up for a good time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no. But okay, whatever. A new lisp. Uh, it's unusual, but not unheard of, for an adult to develop one. Ask him to check with a dentist. See a speech therapist. Uh, no, look, I don't know what this guy is, if this guy's even real. Moreover, I don't care. I just enjoy mocking the left. And, uh, boy, if you ever really are in for a laugh, the Dear Prudence column at um, Slate, if you just put in Dear Prudence Slate, you'll get... All of the questions are some degree of this sort of insanity, but maybe not this far, but but pretty damn close. couple of things I want to get to before we run out of time, ladies and gentlemen. New York City Mayor Nick Adams. Is it Nick Adams? I, think what I, think, I don't know, care what his first name is. Mayor Adams. Was on Morning Joe the other day, and it's um, some Democrats are getting it. It's not mattering. You had James Carville on um, MSNBC or CNN the other day. It was, it was MSNBC. He was on with Ari Melber. And he referred to basically all Republicans as basically no-account white trash. And you go, gee, uh, why does he hate white people? Why is he using essentially what would be considered a racial slur? word about anybody other than evil whitey. And it's because not many white people or fewer and fewer white people are voting for Democrats. And that's makes sense who in the hell would go you know what i'm gonna vote for those guys who call me a racist nonstop. that's awesome they, they want to tax the hell out of me and uh, tell me i'm a garbage human being i cannot wait to pull the lever for those people they're also getting upset that they're losing more and more non-white people too that's why they're trying to import other people so while you've got james carville calling everybody no account white trash who uh, is a white Democrat, and Democrats go, gee, why aren't they voting for us? The mayor of New York recognizes that the wokeism that has metastasized throughout the party is driving a lot of other people away, a lot of black and brown people. Democrats claim essentially ownership of the votes of black and brown people, and they're losing them, particularly Hispanics. They're very confused. The black vote is still wildly loyal, but the rest of uh, the coalition that Democrats had hoped to put together are not. 
They never really sunk their claws into the Hispanic vote. They're regretting it. They're resenting it. They're angry about it. So the mayor of New York points out that it's because of all this woke crap. It's actually because of the it's the white, wealthy, Chardonnay-sipping suburbanite women and their children that the left is losing the Hispanic vote. I love it. It's the Karens of the world. No offense to people actually named Karen. But it's the Karens of the world, the people who are ready, willing, and able, and almost in desperate need to be offended on behalf of other people. The people who are so marinated in the white savior complex that it sinks down to the bone. Those people are driving Democrats away, and people Democrats feel entitled to the votes of. Listen to the the mayor of New York talk about it. Why has there been a disconnect between working class voters who should be aligned with Democrats uh, economically uh, and and party leaders? Uh, there was, and you look at the numbers, there's a hemorrhaging of our Latino community, our AAPI communities that's leaving the tra- traditional Democratic uh, base is because we've allowed the loudest and those who consider themselves to be woke. Some of us never went to sleep. And we hear and speak directly to people. And I think the party is now understanding that we have to speak at those issues that are important. Jobs, public safety, educating our our children, Mm -hmm. good health care, just these common, you know, kitchen table issues that we move away from. And he's on to something when you say, hey, uh... You got whitey all over the place, including Biden going Latinx, Latinx people, Latinx. And there is poll after poll after poll after poll. It shows Hispanic people 95 to 98% go, stop with this Latinx crap. And it's the whitey with the white savior complex talking right past him. But did you notice what uh, Morning Joe himself said at the beginning of this? The garbage that's coming from Morning Joe himself. There are white people out there voting against their their interests, their economic interests. This is something progressives, Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to call them, communists, socialists, fascists, can have throughout my lifetime not been able to wrap their minds around their feeble little tiny little minds. They can't can't get the the concept. That uh, they're speaking. What, is, what does he mean by voting against their economic interests? There was that whole book, What's the Matter with Kansas? It's along those same lines. Well, it's that Democrats believe that government doing things for people and giving them money, welfare, and whatever form it's called, straight up welfare or subsidies or whatever, they think that should be enough. That should buy your vote. It's, your, it's in your economic. There's the government. Tammany Hall, standing on the corner like a prostitute, waving $100 bills, and you just got to go over there and vote for Democrats, and they'll give you a $100 bill. That's in your economic interest to get a $100 bill. There's a lot of people. It's not just that simple, but that's the concept. There's a lot of people out there, Americans of all races, all colors, who don't want the government handout. Don't want the well. Hey, we'll give you food stamps. Okay, I don't 
I don't want food stamps. But you'd qualify for food stamps. You'd qualify for Medicaid. You'd qualify for subsidies and this. And there are a lot of people who are like, I don't, I don't need it. I'm doing just fine. There's people with actual pride. There are people with actual pride and self-respect who also recognize that that pile of sweaty $100 bills is sitting right in the middle of a hair trigger bear trap. And once you take that, it's going to be hard for you, not only you to get your arm back, but your kids to break out of that bear trap too. That once you go down that road, it is the rugged individualism. The left, if you notice what they do constantly is try to convince people to be jealous of other people. Be jealous of other people. They got that and you shouldn't have that. They shouldn't have that. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, uh, I'm not rich, but I'm not not rich because somebody else is. All right? I'm not, if, if you broke Jeff Bezos, as funny as that might be, but if you put him in the poorhouse or Bill Gates or whatever, I wouldn't become rich. I wouldn't get a sh- my share of their money, their net worth. Just, their net worth would be gone, even if government seized it and distributed it. It wouldn't really work out because the worth would crash. Most people just want to be left the hell alone. What the left can't fathom is the people who don't fall for that jealousy, or they hate the people who don't fall for that jealousy. That jealousy is the, you know, you want government to come in and make it fair. They throw that word around, fair, but they don't really actually. Using government to punish people who are doing better than you isn't making life fair. It's bitter and vindictive. Most people are content to not have a mansion. Most people are content to have enough money to meet their bills and to have some time on the weekends to spend it with their family, to spend it with their friends, golfing, drinking beer, whatever it is that they do, have them over for a barbecue. That's enough. Nobody at a barbecue with their friends is going, this is nice, but it's really unfair because I know that somewhere out there, Mark Zuckerberg is having Wagyu beef flown in and he's having Wolfgang Puck grill it up and they're having Chardonnay, they're having uh, Cristal or whatever. Nobody out there having fun who's content in their lives is doing these sorts of things. And it really comes down to the leftist philosophy. It is, if it feels good, do it. And it is, jealousy is a good thing. And it is, there is no God and there is no afterlife, there is no nothing. So you're living for now. And if you just live for now, then things get miserable. Because if you're not getting what you want now, what are you what are you doing? What do you got? What else do you have? Liberalism replacing religion with government, not even community, makes miserable people. That again, kind of deserving for people deserving of being miserable, isn't it? All right, that is about enough for today. I've had enough of me. I'm going to take me out and give me the business. Uh, congratulations. Do we have a winner? We do have a winner. Congratulations to Colleen. Colleen, congratulations. You have a message awaiting you. If you haven't replied already by the time you hear this, you chose Arthur Brooks and Yuval Levin. You won a twofer. Congratulations. Not everybody gets to do that. That means that Brad Thor is returning this week, returning champion Bradley Thor, and he is challenged by another returning champion, um, David Petruccia. David Petruccia's book. So check all that stuff out. 
It is uh, Roosevelt Sweeps the Nation. It's a great book. It's an incredible amount of history crammed into these pages of this book. Uh, if you like the action and adventure, you got Brad Thor. If you like history, damn, you can't do any better than David Petrucia. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Appreciate the heck of it more than you could possibly know your support. So thank you for that. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again because the stupidity never stops. See you then.